Hey party people, it's Tiffany, co-host of the Mature Podcast. We're so excited to announce that we are going to be releasing new episodes again. And we're so excited to be back in the studio recording and releasing these episodes for you guys. So this month, we're going to be celebrating Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, which I know is like a huge mouthful, but it's much needed. So this week's episode is about me sharing my experiences of what it's like to be an Asian American, you know, Catholic, Vietnamese, all the good stuff. Or if you don't know... I hope that you're listening to this and you kind of hear a new perspective and maybe learn something new. And if you're a fellow Asian American, maybe you hear some similarities or differences. I know all of our experiences are very different. So this is just my experience and what I've observed from my family and my fellow Asian friends down here in SoCal. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Just sit back, take a sip of your coffee and tea, and just press play. What's up, party people? It's Tiffany. And I'm McKenna. Did you ever think after college graduation that you're going to move into a beautiful apartment overlooking the Manhattan skyline? Maybe killing it in your dream job? Or hanging out with your best friends at a local coffee shop? Possibly engaged to your hunky bow and basically just living it up? Us too. Did you then realize all too quickly that that wasn't true? Us too. So we wanted to highlight the normalcy of the day-to-day struggles and achievements of a post-grad life in an authentic and genuine way. We are sitting right in the trenches of trying to navigate what it looks like to experience vulnerability, create meaningful relationships, and ultimately live our best mature lives. Here is the Mature Podcast. Welcome back, you guys. Hello. It is Asian American Heritage Month. Is that the full name? (laughs) I think that's the full name. All I know is this month, we are celebrating Asian Americans. Whoop, whoop. That's me. I'm Asian American. (laughs) Okay, the full term is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. That's you. That's me. That's me. So, today, we are back um after not recording for feels like forever mm-hmm. uh, but somehow us being back recording feels very familiar yes it's like second nature i know it's so comfortable um but um i wanted to do this episode because i feel like obviously it's perfect timing and second of all um i I feel like this podcast, I feel like we pride our, pride ourselves on just, like, having very different perspectives of certain things. Like, I think we have different value, or we have the same value, we value the same things, but the way we were brought up was just so different, and I really just wanted to share, you know, kind of what my experience was like growing up here, especially in SoCal, and um, just kind of sharing and just bringing that out to the world and hopefully somebody will learn something yeah i definitely think they will because being friends with tiff for five years sounds about right sounds Mm -hmm. about right okay Mm -hmm. couldn't really remember um for about five years i've definitely learned a lot more about asian americans and specifically um tiff's like vietnamese culture and so it was always very interesting for me like i feel like i'm still learning stuff and 
um, as someone who is very white. Um, it was good for me to like broaden my horizons about stuff like that because um, I grew up like in a very sheltered kind of especially culturally sheltered um, community and a lot of that had to do with the way that I grew up like I grew up in a predominantly white area and so um, I feel like I, I loved learning about Tiff's culture and I understand her as a person way more now um, knowing her dynamics and knowing all the things that um, included her like being brought up yeah so also i just i a big thing of like you know a lot of people have a lot of just like they just have so much differences they feel like they have so many differences and so there comes about a lot of like disagreements and arguments and stuff and a big part of that is because there's nothing that they feel is bringing them together but in reality like yes i was brought up like way different and we have very different stories but like in the end like what makes us still close to this day is the fact that we value a lot of the same things Mm -hmm. so this is just um kind of i guess like a very i want this to be more of like what mckenna i feel like has been asking me for like so long Mm -hmm. of like a lot of questions um not being asian american and kind of learning and kind of asking me in this episode and hopefully if you're asian american and you're listening to this hopefully that you feel some of the pain of what it feels like <laughs> to be asian american growing up in this generation right and if you're more like me <laughs> who's not asian american um these are just some of the questions that you know i had asked tiff over the years of why is it like this like why do you have to do this or i didn't even have to ask and tiff would just be like now you're not going to understand this but this is how it <laughs> is and this is how my life has been like for the past 20 years yes and i just said okay <laughs> um so we're kind of gonna do like an interview style there's gonna be like a breakdown of six categories that we kind of focused on so um i feel like the basic way of it was talking about family we'll talk about religion school um friends dating mm, and mental health (laughs) because we're mental health queens (laughs) so anyways so it would be really really hard to understand tiff if you don't understand her family that was the biggest thing that i learned that i could even i mean if you know tiff or even if you know because i have other asian american friends like if you know them, you know their family. Yes. Like, period. And they welcome you in with gracious arms. But it is very, very difficult to understand the full family dynamics. So um, I first met Tiff's, like, immediate family. And then I would say, like, less than a month later, I met her extended family. Yeah, sounds about right. Like, my extended family just follows me everywhere, too. Yeah, so... Yeah, so to give a little bit more context, I grew up in Southern California. I am currently 22, and I lived here my whole life um, in Southern California. And I live in the, if you guys are in the SoCal area, I kind of live, like, in the Pomona, semi-close to the 6 to 6 area. Um, and that gives kind of a little context to what that's like. And my family, my extended family, but really my family, uh, lived in the 6 to 6 area for the longest time. And I'm the oldest of four siblings, yes. Um, I have two younger sisters, and then I have a baby brother who is 13 years younger than me. So, really big age gap. Um, But yeah, my family, I think, I feel like Asian families are just, first off, they're just so big. I'm like, I'm 
everyone just has big families because they just need more people i'm like literally convinced of that they're like an army yeah they just need an army and so they're like let me just have more children um but yeah so then uh so my family alone is six of us so four siblings my, my mom and dad and then my extended family so my extended family my mom has a really big family so she's the oldest of six siblings and then each sibling has their own kids so total of us so if um this makes it easier my grandma so my mom's mom she now as of today has 12 grandchildren 12 little babies and i'm one of them i'm the first one i'm the first little baby (laughs) the most important yes obviously (laughs) actually no i'm not so that's just the bummer out here whatever but um yeah so i see my extended family every week every week like every week i see all all not all 12 of us because one of them does not live here so all 11 of us actually meet up every week or at least every other week which um i i probably i'm i feel like it's more normal than not um but i feel like my life when i say my family like i know other people mean their immediate family but when i say my family like i mean everybody mm-hmm. like j- both in like immediate and like extended family yes which i feel like is something that needs to be emphasized more because i did not understand that <laughs> and she was like oh yeah my aunt's coming over and i was like that's weird <laughs> like, <laughs> that, yeah really like, i just don't like maybe it's because my like immediate like my extended family doesn't really live that close to me i mean they live with like in hours in relative but like yeah i don't just have my aunt come over all the time yeah no ever ever (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like a very and then the thing is is um my family too were all like pretty young so like everyone had kids at a younger age and so like all of us are really really young and then my like my youngest the youngest aunt she's only four years older than me so it creates a very different dynamic where like we're all just kind of semi young enough to kind of understand what it's like growing up here but then we still have like a a good amount of people from the the other generation who is like keeping us tied to our traditions right yeah so with being the oldest of four or even the oldest of all the grandchildren were there any specific expectations for you oh 100 okay. <laughs> um it's weird because it's like i already know the answers <laughs> but i feel like i have to ask them. no it's actually kind of interesting to kind of like talk about these things because i feel like it's just so normal for me that like i i feel like when i finally get to talk about it, it's like oh did you know this about people i'm i don't know i think as the oldest there's this like really big i think hierarchy if you guys didn't know it, in asian american culture is like very important and hierarchy when i meet when i say by that is like it's based on age and it's based on rankings so for example like this is gonna sound really weird to follow me okay so my mom is the oldest and so my brother he is um nine as of right now but then the next aunt um so she's so she's younger than my mom right but her son he's 10 so he's older than my brother right technically in the ranking my brother has more authority than his cousin who's older than him that makes sense 
Yeah, because your mom is older. Because my mom is older. That the, is hold on. The only reason I know this <laughs> is because Tiff has already explained to me th- this like five years ago. Yeah. So it's very confusing. But like, well, I need to explain that because the hierarchy, the ranking, is really, really important because basically where you stand in the hierarchy kind of de- like determines like the expectations that come out of you the like responsibilities that come with being in that quote-unquote like ranking or hierarchy and then basically how much power you have in the family like just basically what it is (laughs) power is also a big part of it (laughs) there's also that um i think for me though like because i'm the oldest of not just like my family i'm the oldest like granddaughter which means i set precedent for like every other kid that comes after me it's a really big responsibility and i think it weighs a little bit more heavily than just another family who's maybe not asian american who hasn't like older and younger because maybe the hierarchy isn't as emphasized but i think for me my expectation was like i had to be um very put together i had to like do well and i had to exceed and there was just like i think a lot more pressure for me um because i was the oldest and because like what i do really sets precedent for the next kid so like if i go to college or i need to go to college so that every kid after me can see like okay you need to go to college and like or i need to do xyz so the next kid after me can do xyz so there's a lot of things that comes with like with being the oldest and it also i think kind of determined my personality of like i had to kind of be a mediator between like my parents and then my younger siblings yeah and i feel like i had to um, be this person that's like um that was just like um keeping everybody leveled like my little sister could be like acting up but i never could because i was the oldest because i needed to make sure that i was like um the example that my parents can be like look at your old sister she's doing great so then they could look at me and be like okay like she's doing good so i need to do good too right so as the expectations kind of were like put on you and like there's obviously pressure with that was it harder for you to set boundaries with your family yes 100 <laughs> percent. the reason why though is because like asian american culture or asian culture in general is very collectivist collectivistic so compared to um american culture or yeah in the just united states culture of like it's very individualistic um it really emphasizes you know the individual person compared to asian culture where it's really emphasized more on the like all of us like the community i feel like to explain that for instance like for me to go to college was like okay like my kind of what college do you want to go to and like oh, okay like you'll enjoy that for tiff it was more like okay how is this gonna affect the family exactly everything that i i feel like every decision i make kind of there's this like weird afterthought of like okay how does this affect everybody around mm-hmm. me because everyone is going to be looking at me how how can i bring my experience and bring it back to the family everything is for um the community and the if you think think back in history right like a lot of asian cultures were like kind of are um like they, there's a lot of pro- poverty and there's a lot of like villages and so you always had to think about what was better for the village you weren't mm-hmm. thinking like oh do i eat this because i'm hungry or do i give up a part of it so that the community can share mm-hmm. and i feel like 
if you kind of take a look at that like that's kind of how I feel like I make my decisions of like it's never just about me and it's a lot a lot of emphasis on like how how does my decision make make my family look because image is really important how my decisions and how the image affects my family is also really important too Mm -hmm. so setting boundaries is like there no no there's no boundaries like everything is everything that is mine is theirs and what is theirs is also mine Mm -hmm. and that's great and I think that that sets there's benefits of that right like I think that sets me up to be more empathetic and that teaches me to be more um I guess just like more how do you say uh, more inclusive for other people because I'm I'm never just thinking about myself but I think there's like the negative on the back end of that where then I never think about myself right I never think about what's good for me because I'm just always thinking about for other people um and setting boundaries is in the end even though it doesn't feel like it, I feel like setting boundaries is important because it it protects both me and the other person but because in Asian American culture we don't talk about our feelings and we don't talk about emotions and we don't have those hard conversations because it really just results in like a lot of yelling and just like not saying sorry and just a lot of very toxic unhealthy tendencies and then everything just gets swept under the rug so it's just like setting boundaries is non-existent especially well I'm not gonna say everybody but I feel like that's I feel like it's a very common experience and that's especially true for my family right um I don't want to spend too much time but like do you feel like you've made strides in making boundaries or do you feel like it's still just as hard I think it's a yeah it's still hard um I would like to say that's a little easier especially as an adult but I think the the biggest pressure for me right now like as I'm becoming an adult is like it's very difficult for me to like quote unquote leave the village Mm -hmm. like it's very that transition is like really really hard because that comes with like a lot of guilt and that comes with a lot of like pressure like okay if you do leave like you better do well like you don't have a choice you can't come back and like and then if I leave yeah and also I don't think I said this but I am vietnamese and chinese i forgot to say this earlier but i'm vietnamese and chinese um i my mom is half chinese but i culturally do not really like i don't speak chinese i speak vietnamese and we uh, my family tr- like celebrates a lot of uh, vietnamese traditions but because we are partly chinese too i think a lot of those cultural things kind of intertwine a little bit and so sometimes i don't really know if it's a chinese tradition or a vietnamese tradition but honestly a lot of vietnamese and chinese traditions kind of overlap anyways um but yeah just wanted to clarify that for anybody (laughs) yeah all right so now that we've well one i just wanted to touch like i think it's really good that you're being on it well obviously you're being honest but um it's good for you to touch on the honesty of where you're at still of like setting boundaries or like still thinking very collectivistically wow that word it's really hard right yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think it's good because one it gives insight to the fact that like it's really easy to look at someone who's like 22 and you're like oh well you've been out of college like why aren't you making something of yourself like it's so easy to like judge someone if you don't understand the dynamics of who they are and who they are as a person because even I would I mean I guess it's hard for me to say but I don't know if like 
even fellow Asian Americans are judging you for like not leaving the nest because they're like, oh, like, shouldn't you be like on your own by now? It's like, okay, you leave your family and tell them like <laughs> you fail and do stuff like what, you know, it's so. just, it's very interesting. I think like, especially at this age where, um, like everyone that we know and like just people who are our age who like graduated from college and they're just like, they just move to a different city and they just like leave their family. It's a very, it's not that it's an easy de- decision, but there's, it's an easier decision because they're not thinking about like, what does that mean for the rest of my family? Right. And I don't want to minimize it. I know some people are going through making decisions about leaving home and it's hard. I get that. But there's a pressure with being Asian American that's like it's not expected of you like the expectation for me I'm gonna be really honest it it sounds really nice but okay the expectation for me as an Asian American right now is even though I graduated college I have a degree there's this weird expectation that the only time I will move out is if I get married or if I buy my own house that's it I'm like that's it so my only my only escape is to get married or I work my butt off living at home so that I can go buy a house so that I can move out because it doesn't make sense financially like okay why would I why would I leave home to rent an apartment when I can live at home save the money and my mom cooks for me like that's my my mom literally my parents have said yeah it's okay you don't have to move out and I'm like but I want to if it helps (laughs) white families do that too yes i'm calling you out mom (laughs) like it's like a weird thing but like i know a lot of people just move out and it's just like it's a it's like normal for you to like think about that whatever but like i have a lot of like even my grandma's house right now my uncle who has two children is still living at home with his mom and that is so normal for us that's like very community based we're like it doesn't matter this is your space too but honestly, I feel like it's a trap to make you stay because <laughs> I don't want you to leave because if you left that you would know how good it is outside. <laughs> <gasps> okay. Okay. So moving on from family dynamics, because honestly, it's been five years and Tiff still is explaining family dynamics to me. So we don't have five years, (laughs) Um, but we're going to move on to religion, which is definitely a, I would say a heavier topic um, and definitely something that kind of sparked our friendship. Yeah. Yeah. um, Just talking about the differences between Catholicism and Christianity, um, what it looked like for Tiff to grow up in like a mainly uh, mainly Catholicism house, yeah. but also like Buddhism. Yeah. Um. And so, why don't you take it away? Because I didn't grow up in your house. Yeah. So it's really interesting. I, there's a lot uh, Asian Americans. We typically, I feel like, fall or not fall. We there's two. I feel like main religion beliefs that we kind of um, believe in. It's mostly either like Catholicism, especially for Vietnamese americans and vietnamese americans fall are either catholics or they're buddhists so i feel like that kind of gives a lot of context too because our our lives are also wrapped in religion too and so um in my household or in my family my i i grew up vietnamese catholic and it's just a little confusing because my mom was a catholic 
or is a Catholic, and then my dad is a Buddhist. And they somehow got married because um, basically my dad converted just to marry my mom in a church that my grandma would be happy, which is classic. Um, (laughs) Normal Sounds like Big Fat Greek Wedding. If anybody (laughs) has ever seen that movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, I've never seen that movie, but yeah. What? Yeah. Okay, that's another (laughs) subject we'll talk about, but anyways. But yeah, so my, my, even though my dad like quote unquote converted, he still does not practice Catholicism. He just did that to marry my mom in front of my grandma. Um, (laughs) Just to give a little more context, we call my grandma Mafia because um, she's just super badass and we just like low-key kind of fear her, but we just like love and respect her so much. So we call her Mafia. She's just the head of the household. I will never get over the first time I met your grandma and you didn't tell me that. (laughs) And you just like allowed me to walk in and she literally looked at me like, what the hell? And and you looked at me, she's like, oh yeah, this Mafia. I'm like... (laughs) what yeah we all call her mafia that's like yeah. her nickname and then you said well this is my white friend yeah <laughs> that sounds all right yeah <laughs> i'm not kidding no that's really like to this day my grandma's like oh your white friend what like obviously in vietnamese but she'll be like oh how's your white friend what is she doing are you su- no white she's very nice <laughs> but anyway classic just classic classic mafia um no but um yeah i grew up as a vietnamese catholic so because my grandma so mafia was a huge catholic woman she was kind of on the what is it called like council for the church and so we um me my sisters and my youngest aunt who's four years older than me we all went to the same church down in san gabriel mission so that's why i said i kind of am very familiar with the six to six area whoop whoop because my grandma grew up in rosemead or she lived there for a really long time and so i spent pretty much every weekend there while i was growing up um but yeah, I we went to San Gabriel Mission and we, I feel like that is also another topic to talk about because I feel like being a Catholic is already so, I think, limiting in some ways. I feel like the traditions of the religion are very, I, I would, I, they're just, they're not up with the times, I feel like. Um, but then being Vietnamese and Catholic just kind of exacerbates that like, guilt that comes with being a catholic i mean religion in general is where like a like a hard topic in general but i feel like being a vietnamese catholic becomes like a part of your culture it's not just like it's not just like oh i i believe in god and i go to church whenever but like it's like it's like ingrained into you and like they i feel like if our families are i feel like they there's so much already guilt and shame in just be like in Asian American culture, but then having then also being Catholic kind of just maximizes all that guilt and shame. So that I feel like that puts up a lot of expectations too, um, in some other ways about being a good Vietnamese Catholic. So that means you pray all the time and you're you're nice and you're polite to people in public but then you go home and you just talk smack about them so there's that um okay (laughs) so you know having this very dominant like catholicism background of growing up you then went to a very very christian college oh yeah yeah 
that happened yeah that happened <laughs> i think that was like honestly me rebelling a little bit because i was like you know what i'm gonna do whatever i want Let, let's just like <laughs> put this in perspective most people yeah, are no. like really really religious and they're like screw you mom and dad i'm gonna go to a secular school and then they go to like the number one party school in like america and they become like the biggest douche on the planet and you're just like hmm that makes sense yeah. tiffany's way of rebelling <laughs> was to go to a very christian school it was okay i'm not gonna lie to you i don't think i've ever talked about this but my me telling my family that i was gonna go to a christian school was like actually a really big deal like my dad like literally low-key shunned me for like months he was like mad at me for like choosing to go to a christian school and a big part of that was because um he like a big part of that was because he knew that school was predominantly white it was not just uh me going to christian school but it was also predominantly white and so that was like very interesting where they knew that if i went to school there i wouldn't have other asian people there with me to like help support that journey when i was going to college which is really funny because there was like a really big there's a good there's a good amount of asian people there yeah Yeah. but then it wasn't white but like there was a good amount like but they weren't but they weren't vietnamese see so there that was like another that was like another big thing and um my dad's again my dad again was buddhist so him like when he thought when he knew or when i told him i was going to a christian school he was like oh so you're betraying me and i was like wait i what it's a big thing it's i i really this is the kind of the topic where i'm like i don't know i feel like this varies in different households i will say the whole i can speak on being a vietnamese catholic because that has so much pressure that comes along with it because it's like oh you're asian you need to be good but then because you're also a catholic you also need to be extra good in the eyes of the lord so um but yeah in my household like my dad is a buddhist so he just like it's not that he just didn't even um practice catholicism he just like doesn't even believe in it whatsoever so in some ways when i told him i was going to a christian school he thought that i was like turning my back on him if like i was choosing the quote-unquote other side mm-hmm. and so that was like a very interesting dynamic too that happened where like and again this kind of goes back to the whole like individualism versus collectivism like topic of like me choosing that was a very like you can argue like a very individualistic decision because it quote unquote wasn't the the best for the community mm. but i feel like as an asian american what i've learned is like what i choose i think in some in most my life decisions <laughs> should be my own because that's what's going to bring the what's best for the community right but that is a very hard thing to not only learn but then to choose that over and over again in in a lifetime yeah so we kind of talked a little bit about school wise um (laughs) there's so much that we could talk about school and like one thing that i think pretty much everyone in the world has this stereotype of getting good grades yep was this implemented in your household or was it like no like just you know get okay grades like did it have to be a's like okay this is the thing (laughs) with grades okay i've never ever and i mean never ever have i ever heard my parents say you need to get an a on this or you will die you know why it's because they just ingrained so much guilt (laughs) in you as a child that you don't they don't need to tell you they just 
you just know growing up if you don't get this eight you'll die <laughs> um i'm gonna leave for a minute <laughs> and you think i'm joking it's it's i'm telling you it's like a very <laughs> they just ingrained the guilt it's so accurate <laughs> i'm telling you like there's like such high expectations because uh, there it's 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 very multi-dimensional too right you need to get good grades because one it's good for the family because then you can get to a good college but also if you get good grades and do well then my parents can go brag about me to another family and be like look at my daughter she is doing so much better than yours i that is not just an asian american thing i think i'm just gonna call all parents out because i saw some like some posts where they were like mom have you ever like you know um embellished on one of my accomplishments to like prove to your like friends that i'm like better than their kid and they were like um no i've 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 never done that and then they like showed a video of their like (laughs) kid doing it or their mom doing it and they were like okay so i said that you got into like all these colleges but you didn't but they don't know that (laughs) like i feel like that's all parents i don't think that's all parents because i feel like a lot of i feel like i knew a lot of people where they were just like oh you just do best and they're just they're just proud of whatever you do you know what i mean i love that i think my parents would like to say that they they genuinely do feel like that but I don't think they're upset that I've accomplished some things. Either. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. They're like, yes. But your you. your parents have been. But like, I feel like it's like it's it's the expectation like that has to happen. Like it's not just in like, order for them to yeah, brag. Yeah, got it. It's like it needs to happen. Like my kid got into Harvard. Like my kid's becoming a doctor, which none of us are doctors. So I'm sorry we failed you, parents. But um, <laughs> um, I think yeah. So there's like that. So it's like it's the image part where it's like i need we need to do good on the surface so that we can tell other people that we're doing good you know because how you do in school reflects um like the parents and like how they parent right because i feel like that's also another thing to talk about of the way i act in this world is strictly how other parents will judge my parents so it's not that they judge me they'll judge my parents Mm. so like i've heard so many times of like oh yeah did you hear johnny wasn't doing good yeah his parent like i've heard like this is a conversation i've heard where like someone will comment oh yeah johnny didn't do well in school he got kicked out whatever and then if it's followed up by oh yeah it's because that mom she's fucked up in the head like just shit like that you just hear (laughs) stuff like what a kid does in the asian american household is what is re- it's a reflection of the parent and how they parented that child wow so that's why we also have to do well so it's not it's like not just about bragging but it's like oh look at me my kid did well that means i did well <laughs> so it's like you can brag off to other parents so getting good grades is like not it's not an option like you have to get good grades and then you have to do so many other things on top of that and again my, i don't think i've ever heard my dad, parents say you need to get all a's i'm just telling you it was so ingrained in us that you have to do well or else you will die it's not done with you but uh, it's also it's also the other thing too of like um because so many of our parents are immigrants it's the fastest way to flip that um the generational like 
um, poverty, right? Like if, if you're, so they themselves, like the, my parents were like immigrants in the country, they themselves probably couldn't, they have a lot of things going against them because they couldn't speak English or maybe they came into America when it was like really late. And so they had to reestablish their whole lives here again. But if they can nurture their child to do well and to do well in school and to go to a good school to get a good job to make more money, then like that's the fastest way for them to reverse that. So then the generations to come won't be suffering in financial like issues too. Interesting. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about like college and going to a Christian university. Was there an expectation to have a certain major or to pursue a certain career um, or even go to a specific college to, you know, to uh, what's the word? Um pursue that career yeah. like did was, was there any of that yeah so obviously in asian so everyone knows that um for an asian you're either a gonna be a doctor you're gonna be an engineer and uh maybe do business that's like a third maybe hard maybe but basically doctor engineer anything within like the healthcare system engineer and doctor everything else all the arts out the window don't even think about it don't even think about it you are no that's um i feel like that's the expectation i feel like in asian american culture because again like if you study that in school and you pursue those career choices it's the fastest way for the family dyna- uh, the family gener- like the generational poverty to be reversed right because so many people came here with nothing when they first moved here to america and so if you can just invest your kid who can become a doctor or who can become an engineer and they make a frick ton of money here in america then the parents can also benefit off of that money and then also generations to to come will benefit off of that money because then they can sustain a living for themselves and whatever and I think with just the history of Vietnamese Americans, at least here in America, they've only been in America for since the war. So that was like middle mid 70s, I believe, when the big migration came the first one, at least. And so we've only like as a huge community trying to establish ourselves for here for her. Was it 50 years? Am I calculating that wrong? Yeah, 40 ish whatever good amount a couple decades but it's still something i think that we're all um asian americans especially in my generation we're trying to we're like kind of distance off we're like we ourselves some of us not all of us but some of us or sorry some of us did experience that most of us didn't and so we're trying to you know pay respects to our family members that did that did have that hard transition over here in america not just like um like mentally and emotionally but like the physical aspects of like coming here by boat or like whatever it's a lot of that trauma gets i think passed down a lot so i think there's a lot of fear that gets passed down because of the experiences of the previous generation and um, but for the modern asian american i think for us our biggest battle isn't oh should i leave my country so i can survive it's what like the question is is like what's gonna help me survive here in america mm-hmm. do i please my parents or do i please myself mm-hmm. and that's gonna i feel like that's the big that's one of the bigger battles for like people our age yeah definitely
All right. So moving into friends, were there certain people that you gravitated to when making friends? Um, yes, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's not that obvious. Um, I, again, I grew up in a more predominantly also white community growing up, not just in college, but when I was growing up. And um, my parents did that on purpose because we lived in a pretty low uh, low income area and they were smart enough to kind of find that in between where like we technically live in the ci- in like the city that we did where so I can go to school so I can qualify to go to school in a nicer area but it was like off on the edge so I'm the people I lived with technically were in a not nicer area so um because of that when i went to school it's predominantly mostly white people but then when i go home it was predominantly you know hispanics and uh, black people and then also other asians so i think naturally as i was growing up that's and because that's who i like played with at home that's kind of who i gravitate towards when i went to school because i know uh you know when you're in elementary school and like you know, um, Adam invites you to his birthday party and then the whole class is invited and then the class goes, right? Yeah, no, I never went. I never went to any of that. So I could never be friends with Adam because I never went to his birthday parties. Mm. So it was like, yeah, we like see each other in class and we play at recess or whatever. But like realistically, the only people I would hang out with is or were people who were um i either lived with or like i was like i was familiar with them and most likely there were people from or who were asian most likely but even then it's like kind of hard to come by so when i was in high school um uh there was a little bit more asians just because there's more people going to school there i went to a pretty big high school um we had about like 700 800 people in my graduating class so it's a decent sized school and because of that there was a little bit more i guess a big, like a little bit bigger Asian community there and so even when I was in high school I st- still tried or I didn't try to I don't think I intentionally was like seeking only Asian people but I think it just was easier to f- find people who understood that life at home because there were so many people who again were just predominantly white or just like other races who just didn't understand what it was like to have like Asian parents and you know when you're in high school you you just go for what's familiar what you're used to so for me I think I gravitated towards Asian Americans obviously because I'm also Asian American but there's also this weird expectation too of like you have to hang out with your own people because um we need to stand together Mm. and we need to you know um make sure that we we stay strong so that we we don't get like our culture doesn't get wiped away or whatever there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of reasons but i feel like naturally that's just kind of what you grab you gravitate towards what you're familiar with Mm -hmm. yeah so why do you feel like it's important to have to like seek out diversity now I think okay so then the thing is I'm obviously not Asian American yeah well the thing is was I'm also I was like kind of lucky too where like um like throughout my whole childhood like um on top of hanging out Asians I hung out with a lot of Hispanics and so like I because again that's like what I was familiar with what I was living in and so for me like even though um 
they like I hung out with people who weren't Asian. I didn't really hang out with white people, mm-hmm. and it's not because of this like racist thing of like oh my gosh white people, but like I think it's just it wasn't familiar to me because I I didn't grow up in a where I lived was not predominantly white. Where I went to school um, where I went to school was, but where I lived was not. And so for me, um, I just I felt like I never really got an experience with a white person where like I really understood where they're coming from because our cultures are so different. And I think um it wasn't until I came to college and we hung out where I was like, oh, okay, like they're pretty cool. But even in, even in the beginning, it was it wasn't like I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm purposely not trying to find white friends. Or now I recognize, oh, I need white friends, so I'm gonna go seek out white friends. Like I think for me, just my personality, I just go with whatever whatever I feel like feels comfortable with me and like what I'm not going to try to push something I'm also not going to try to like push it away and avoid it either um especially when it comes to friendships and I think our the way we became friends was like a really organic so I felt like it was a lot more comfortable for me but even in the beginning it was kind of hard because I felt like it was really hard to see where you were coming from and I think in the reverse of like it was really hard for you to see where I was coming from too of like the way we grew up is just so different different and a big part of that is because of our culture and so I think as an Asian American it's we I think with the white community they always say like they need to be diverse like we also as people of color are representing or just being people who are not white like we also need to open arms to those who can um just like provide perspective to and I think that's really important because it teaches you that um, your perspective is not just yours mm-hmm. on both ends, on both parties. And I think for me, it's taught me a lot of like, okay, I can actually balance being holding on to my cultural values and traditions while also trying to figure out what it means for me to live in America. Because I can't ignore white people forever like it's 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 not realistic like I we have to figure out a way to live together right and so for me like it's it's important for for me to find to like find that balance and I I'm, I feel like I'm just lucky in the sense of like I found good people in general not just like not just mentioning like race but just in general good people who can like help me find that balance whether they are asian or not mm. does that make sense yeah absolutely all right moving into the best category uh yes the juicy parts the dating category oh my gosh that's what everyone wants to know <laughs> um all right oh gosh there's so much to talk about here um i feel like we're gonna start out the gate of who are you attracted to <laughs> Um, obviously I'm attracted to Asians, mm. but honestly, I, I feel like typically Vietnamese people, men, because, um, I'm also Vietnamese. And so for me, I feel like that's really important for me to like raise a family with Vietnamese culture. But I feel like that's, I feel like I'm being bamboozled a little bit. Did I just get tricked into believing that or what? I don't know. Well, it's a thing. If you're a Vietnamese boy, his DMs are wide open, so. Hit her up. (laughs) This is because of, anyways. Okay, I'm not going to mention it. Anyways. Doesn't matter. (laughs) They're wide open. Um, 
Yes. So I typically am more attracted towards Asians. I think in the past I've, I'm just really attracted to more tan people, darker skin people. No Um, way of getting around that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, for these tan (laughs) Vietnamese people, uh, (laughs) well, tan also, I've, I feel like I've, I've been attracted to like Hispanics, uh, black people, you know, just darker what, Whatever catches your eye. Whatever catches my eye. Do you have standards for them? Um, yes. <laughs> a big part of that, okay, a, a big part of dating, I feel like, for me at least, I, I feel like I've seen people in, like, different, in different, where, like, it, different categories, where, like, they embrace their Asian-ness, or they just completely reject it, and they just, like, go for anything, like, anything that's not Asian. Mm. so it's very interesting um but i think the standard especially in my family is that i will also find another vietnamese american man who makes a lot of money and who can speak fluent vietnamese and so we can raise our children to be beautiful vietnamese rich successful children just like all over again that's like that's that quotation for me and like yeah, I don't know. But it's just different because I feel like um our like our parents' generation of what they think a Vietnamese man or a woman looks like is just so different now. Mm. Like there's so many there's no such thing. It's like so rare to find like a quote unquote traditionally Vietnamese man or woman mm. in America, especially in SoCal. Going off of that, are there like family restrictions? Yes. Okay. <laughs> McKenna is asking me. She, this is a little thing. Okay. So, um, the thing is, uh, um, I feel like the dating is also kind of, it's very interesting. So, I, because we live in America and there's a lot of prejudice, racism, whatever, I feel like somehow that kind of gets translated in like the Asian community too, where like, um, like Asian people can view black people as like quote unquote not good enough and that also applies equally to hispanics and even white people we're like we just want to keep the asian blood with like we just want to keep that we don't want to dilute it i guess in like other races so like my in high school i was um I had always said I was like interested in this guy and he was both black and Vietnamese so um he's pretty dark and um we went to multiple dances together because we were kind of interested in each other and I remember showing my grandma mafia out here I was like hey mafia like look at my homecoming pictures and she straight up was like no like (laughs) straight up no you're not doing this and the thing is i was like but he's half viet like he was raised by his vietnamese mother i mean he doesn't speak it but he understands it so really you know kind of the same thing um and my grandma was like no she was like your children will be so ugly (laughs) (laughs) not a joke not a joke and asians my fellow asian friends listening to this you know what i'm talking about you know exactly what i'm talking about okay yeah it's a thing it's a thing so there's like expectations where like again we want to keep that like asian blood together and so there's this expectation from the previous generation that's like put onto us and for me i think i'm for me a culture because my culture is such a big thing um 
finding a partner who values that is as important and not that it's not impossible with someone who's not asian it just is easier with someone who also is asian where like there's a lot of nuances and things that i wouldn't have to explain to them because they would just know because they also grew up in that does that make sense yeah so naturally we're like a lot of the ideals of what i value is i would probably find attracting someone else who finds that those same same things yeah yeah i think that's fair all right we made it to our last category um we've talked about this on multiple episodes and i feel like it's been really helpful to hear your um perspective on this because as an asian american mental health is um very different than it looks like for anybody else non-existent you mean yeah okay well (laughs) you said it not me (laughs) um but we've kind of i mean i think we touched on this on one of our episodes of what it was like for you to go to therapy and for you to um talk to your parents about that but um growing up was there any type of therapy involved like what did your parents kind of say about it because obviously it was non-existent but what if they did have a perspective on it what did they share with you about it i felt like with when it comes to mental health i think that i think it's a conversation more about like you like you are self-sufficient enough to figure everything out on your own Mm. right like if you're hurting or you have anxiety or you're like you have the power within yourself to change anything and you don't need anyone's help and so it's i think emotion and like affection is just a very different thing in asian american culture because we have none of that um i think there's oh i don't know if you guys have heard this but there's always a joke of like oh yeah asian parents don't say i love you and it's like a true thing like asian parents don't ever like explicitly say i love you to their children i don't know why i really can't explain it i think they're just afraid i don't know um but um because of that i feel like that sets precedent for like just talking about any emotion so mental health in general is just a very taboo topic and if you express too many emotions like your feelings and not just like oh i'm angry but like oh and he said this and that made me feel this way like you are deemed as weak Mm -hmm. and so you don't want to seem weak in front of your family members because they don't share the same view as you. So then you get, you would get exiled out of the community. And that is the last thing you want to do. Because again, you want to be a part of the community because that's what you think about. You think about what it's like, what your role is, is in the family. You don't want to tarnish that by being quote unquote weak. Mm. So even when we were younger, like we were never taught like, well, how does that, how does that make you feel? Like that was never a question that was asked. And I feel like this generation, like my brother, like it's very interesting to see him grow up because he, he grows in such a different um, world. And just like, I think his upbringing is just so different too, of the way schools have been teaching him. I think schools also play a big impact on that because they're also more aware. And the way my brother reacts to certain things was not necessarily, like was literally so different from the way we would react to certain things because he is a lot more aware because they that's what they teach in school but because because just because they're teaching that in school doesn't mean my parents are automatically or like our generation the previous generation is like magically more informed it's still the expectation like you just keep your emotions in check and don't don't let them get too wild because you have control over that so um if you're feeling that way just shove it just shove (laughs) it 
<laughs> shove it somewhere <laughs> not here <laughs> just don't let me see it just don't let me see it yeah so from coming with that ideal and that kind of ingrained in you how do you get from that to being now i would say like somewhat of a mental health advocate yeah you see um <laughs> honestly i sometimes i don't really know i think i i think a big part of it is i'm very i'm naturally a very curious person so like when i'm really interested in something like i really want to know more about it and i think that there was a lot of emotion suppressed and i feel like me i guess now advocating for mental health was a part of me figuring out what like who i am and what's important to me and i feel like in some ways like um going to school with predominantly white like school kind of helped with that of like hey it's okay for you to like feel this way although sometimes honestly it's or before too and even now sometimes I feel like weird it feels like a like a not not a very natural thing I feel like I have to push back on that ideal a lot of like hey actually your feelings are okay but I think there's um there's a really big interest interest in it for me because there's so like that is there's so much lack of that in what I grew up and what I what I see in my life and my family um that like there's also no way for me to process all this the dysfunction in my family and the culture and that clash between living in that culture but living in an individualistic society I feel like there's no way for me to comprehend that without learning about mental health Mm. I feel like that's in my head that's the bridge for me to understand hey it's like this is how you grew up but like this is how things actually are here and i need to be able to discuss that in a very healthy way um so yeah and i think that i think for me again it comes back to like because i'm the oldest i have to set precedent for the rest of the kids in my family so if i can stop that like not to say that the asian culture is bad and I don't also say, I am also not saying that Ameri- like individualism is also bad, but I think there has to be a balance. And I think our generation is in that middle where we're going to decide what's going to happen for the next generation. And so, again, it's not the same battle as the previous one, but my generation is going to be about setting the precedent for the next one of like, hey, are we going to include mental health in the next generation? Like, is that going to be a thing? Because if we don't do it now, like, it's not going to ever happen. So I want to be a good example still of like for my for all the babies in my family, for my siblings, of what it looks like to have both balance of like you can still hold on your to your traditions and your values of of what you look like and like what your family's told you to be, but you can also still be your own person and pri- and find joy in that too. And it doesn't have to be this like pick one. You can you you can have a balance of that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you for skimming the very thin surface level of what being and growing up asian american is um there is so much underneath that we weren't even able to get into because it would be forever forever so long but yeah i hope you guys enjoyed listening to this if you are in any way relating to any of that please hit me up in the dms because seriously it's so fun to be like oh my gosh and yeah this and 
not that and um <laughs> it's just kind of fun to just talk about it and kind of reflect on that tension between being asian american but also or being asian and american you know kind yeah. of that, that balance definitely yeah um if you guys liked this amazing episode which if you didn't honestly i don't want to hear about it um <laughs> <laughs> but if you guys um enjoyed it please make sure to subscribe to our podcast and to subscribe to us on in subscribe follow us yes all, the all stuff. of the f- yeah all the stuff um on the mature podcast on instagram make sure to leave us a review and we will see you guys next time bye, bye.